Children may be dismissed for Children's Church. And if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, let me encourage you to open them to Titus chapter 1 and verse 5. Titus 1 and verse 5. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's page 1181. And you can find the text on that page. We've uh, begun the last segment of a series of messages taken from the pastoral letters of the Apostle Paul, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Uh, This last segment I'm calling Passing on the Faith. And in in introduction, last week uh, we talked about how important it was to the Apostle Paul to be sure that the faith of the gospel got passed on. First, accurately passed on within his generation from one believer to the next within the churches, but also, importantly, that the true gospel would, be, would continue uh, from his generation to the next, and from the next generation to the next after that. And so we see this as a very great concern here in these pastoral letters as he's writing to his uh, apprentices, Timothy and Titus, Not only was Paul concerned about passing the gospel on, he had a strategy for doing so. We might summarize this strategy by by saying it was a strategy to strengthen the church as the family or the household of God. Or another way to put that was to to strengthen the household structure within the church. The church itself. Now, in these pastoral letters, we have a couple of passages which are noteworthy because they give instructions about office holders in the church. There's two prominent passages. The first is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 and following, where Paul discusses uh, the qualifications in the ministry of, el- of overseers and deacons. And then uh, Titus chapter 1, verses 5 and following, where he again uh, discusses what he calls elders or overseers in this particular uh, context and uh, does not go on to talk about deacons here. So uh, just one verse I want to use to begin today to talk about this subject. Titus chapter 1 and verse 5. Paul writing to his Apprentice Titus ministering on the island of Crete. Uh, Crete is the biggest island in the Mediterranean Sea with a number of uh, towns or cities, cities there. He says, The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, as we consider your word today, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and minister to us by your word and uh, somehow use the frail 
speaking of your servant here and apply God's word to our hearts and instruct us and build us up and strengthen us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in these passages about the church office holders, Paul is not just trying to offer a a way to organize a local church. We should connect these passages with Paul's strategy for protecting the true gospel in the churches he's, he's established and for his strategy to pass the gospel along to the next generation and the next generation following that. Now, uh, if you've been around Baptist churches for any length of time or for a long time, perhaps, perhaps you've gone to Baptist churches all your life, historically, elders have not gotten a lot of attention in Baptist churches. Uh, uh, Some other churches uh, make a big deal about elders, like the Presbyterian Church have their elder board. Uh, But we Baptists, we have deacons. And uh, deacons have been a part of the heritage of this church. Now, to be sure, I haven't uh, worked on deacons here a lot since being here, but I've heard many of you say uh, you've been ministered to by deacons whom I've known here and in other places as well. And there was an interest in the renewal of the deacon ministry expressed at our uh, church prayer retreat uh, recently. So deacons are more prominent in Baptist experience than elders. However, when we look into the Bible and God's Word to find out what has to say about these church office holders, we find an emphasis that's, that's opposite to that. The Bible really has a lot more to say about elders than it does about deacons. It may surprise you for me to say that uh, the, the deacons as church office holders appear only with certainty in two passages in the New Testament. The first uh, being Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. This is Paul's address to the Philippians. Uh, He wrote a letter to the church at Philippi, and here's how he begins it. This is the two part. He's telling who he's writing to, and he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, that's who wrote the letter, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. All right, so there were officers in the church. And he writes the church as a whole, plus these leaders in the church. The second passage is uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 that I mentioned earlier, verses 8 through 13, where Paul outlines qualifications for deacons in the church there at Ephesus. Uh, in the corresponding passage in Titus, however, he does not talk about deacons. He just talks about elders. Now, there's a couple of other places where deacons may be referred to, quite likely are. One of them notably being Acts chapter 6, uh, where the seven are appointed to help the apostles wait on the tables and distribute uh, food to the, the um the widows there in the church, it doesn't use the title deacon, so most will consider this as like a pr- the proto-deacons or uh, early deacons or something like that, and there's several others. Uh, but uh, compared to the references to elders, uh, they're relatively few. Uh, elders are frequently mentioned both in the Old Testament and the New. There's about 140 references to elders in the Old Testament. 
About 60 in the New Testament. Of course, not all of these have to do with elders in the church, but when you ferret out all of the other kinds of elders, there's still considerably more references to elders of the church than to deacons in the church. Now, by saying this, I don't mean in any regard to, to uh, say that the deacons or deacon ministry is unimportant in our churches. Not that at all. What I am trying to say here is that in order for us to properly understand deacons in the proper perspective, we've really got to go back and look at this concept of elders, which appears to be prior to and uh, more spoken of in the Bible. Uh, and so uh, that's what I hope to do. We will be talking about deacons. We're going to go through this elder thing first, though. So I want to talk to you about elders. To understand about elders in the church, we've got to go back and see what the Bible says about elders in the Bible as a whole uh, so that we don't come up with the wrong conclusion when we just read a few verses in the New Testament about these elders. We've really got to put in the context of the historical and biblical background of this uh, institution or this uh, this habit, cultural habit in the Old Testament as well. Uh, we might run into the problem of just imposing upon what we read there modern concepts of leaders and instead of understanding these leaders or elders in terms of what the Bible authors intended to say. So, uh, all of this is just to say that it's my intention to, in the next several messages, narrate for you the story of elders in the Bible, and and the and the the, the message that I have for you to have for you today is really less like a sermon and, and more like a kind of a, a biblical history lesson to instruct you on what happened here uh, in, in the Old Testament in this regard. So I don't know. Maybe you maybe maybe have never heard of a sermon on elders in a Baptist church. I don't know, but you know I have to ask. How is it that we've thought so little about an office that is mentioned over 200 times in the scripture? Uh, I think it's worth reviewing and looking at. Now today, we're going to look particularly at what the Old Testament has to say about elders. And next week, we'll go on and talk about the New Testament. So today is background and informational and will lead to something greater. That means you have to come back next week for sure, hear the rest of the message, and bring about three friends as well. Okay? All right, so let's talk about elders for a few moments. What is an elder? Well, here is a basic definite definition from a reference book, not the Bible, uh, that uh, basically goes like this. An elder are... Elders are those who are older or higher in rank in a tribe, community, or other organization. Now, uh, it's, it's good for us to understand that elders are not unique to Israel or the biblical culture. Many nations, many tribes, many ethnic groups have had elders as part of their culture. In fact, when we go and minister in Arizona to the Navajo Nation. They have a tribe, they have clans, and they have families, but they also have tribal elders. They have elders as part of their culture. Uh, the Bible talks about elders of other nations besides Israel, elders in Egypt, elders in Moab and in Midian, etc. Our interest is not particularly in elders outside of the Bible, so we're going to focus on looking at elders in the Old Testament Bible. So, 
there's several Hebrew words that translate into the English word elders in the Old Testament. There's actually three of them. Uh, one of them simply means elder in the sense of being somebody's older brother, sister, or sibling. Here's a verse that uses this word in that regard. Uh, then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her elder son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. So elder in the sense of being older than somebody else in the family is how this word is sometimes used. Now, another uh, Hebrew word translated el elder basically means old and can be used uh, uh, like we use the word old. Uh, this is an old person or this is an, uh, an old shirt or garment that I have, something like that. But most commonly, it refers to older men who exert influence in a community or society. That is, a leader of some kind in the society who is older of age. There's a third Hebrew word that's used in Ezra, that's used in a very similar way. It literally means somebody who has gray or white hair or beard. But it's used to refer to one of these guys uh, who has a position of influence in a, in a society. Now I want you to notice that in all three of these Hebrew words, uh, they have as the root meaning or a core meaning uh, the idea of older in age. That's part of this word elder. Um, and this wasn't just a case of uh, the kind of old guy's rule uh, attitude, you know, how you see the t-shirt. Uh, this wasn't uh, that kind of mentality. Uh, they weren't trying to find the oldest people alive, you know, like people in nursing homes and something like that, and make them their rulers. That wasn't the idea. Behind the age factor was the assumption that wisdom to guide a community comes in, by experience. And experience is going to be found in people who are a little bit older in age. All right? This is the idea. So if you're going to choose somebody who's going to guide and make decisions for a family, you want to choose somebody who's been around the block a few times, right? Instead of a greenhorn or a newbie who doesn't know anything, uh, who hasn't had very, or has had very little experience in life at all. Uh, when we think about our own nation, uh, the office of the president has a minimum age. I think it's what, 36 years, something like that? You have to, 35, something along that? You have to be a certain age in order to be in that office. Why? Because they don't want like a teenage boy up there in president who might get elected because he goes on YouTube and sells a bunch of videos or something like that. You want somebody with some experience. Uh, now think of it in this way. What would it be like if in your family the children got to make the decision, had the authority? I, I can think of what it would have been like in my family. You know, I might have asked my son, Hey, son, what's for dinner tonight? Says, my son would have said, Well, good news, we're going out tonight. We're going to go eat at Baskin Robbins for dinner tonight. You know, that's, that's probably what would have happened in my family. Or if my wife would ask my daughter something like, uh, Hey, how late are we going to stay up tonight? Oh, when we get done watching these six movies that I've got, you know, we'll go to bed. 
You see, that's the whole reason here. So when it's talking about old and age, it's not talking about the oldest possible person you can find who's on death's door. It's talking about people who are mature and who have respect and who have experience and are able to make good decisions on behalf of the society as a whole. Now, uh, when the Bible talks about this concept of elders... uh, or elder, when it uses this word, it's almost always in the plural. It's very, very infrequently the word elder singular. It's almost always plural. And that's because uh, it was a term that referred to making decision as a collective body. So you're talking about the elders would get together and they would make decisions or they would do their work in some kind of a way. It was a communal decision-making process. So, uh, just to summarize a little bit more definitely from, with the biblical information I've shared with you, elders were a group of older or experienced men who together exerted influence in their community or society. Well, how'd you get to be an elder? Uh, well, uh, heredity had a lot to do with it. In some cases, uh, basically... Uh, in, a, in a household, uh, there would be the elder. If this person got too old or it's a place where he needed to pass on or he died, then generally it would go down to the oldest son. So it helped to be born the oldest male in the family in order to succeed in this ministry of eldership. But that was not the only condition. There, were, uh, there was also the necessity of uh, being a mature person with experience that could be recognized by other people. And so the age at which somebody became an elder oftentimes had a great deal of variety. And I suppose there were times when the oldest, the firstborn, was, wasn't very well suited for that and may, may have passed along to somebody else. And so um, that's typically how it came about, uh, was in sort of an informal way. They didn't really have elections, at least not on the local level. It was just a matter of consent. And when you looked around and we saw somebody that was very, uh, they saw somebody that was very well qualified, mature, respected by others, then would be invited to be a part of this group that would make decisions for the society. So this is uh, the basic idea of what an elder is. A group of older, experienced men who together exert influence in their community and society. Now let's talk about eldership. In Israel, uh, you know that the nation was made up of 12 tribes, right? Remember the sons of Jacob? He had 12 sons. And the nation was divided into 12 tribes. Each of these 12 tribes also was subdivided into clans. Each clan was composed of a number of households, each of which uh, was a was somebody at the head of them. In each household, the senior male was the head. He was the elder. First of all, he exerted authority. Uh, Oh, there it is. Uh, The elder of the household exerted authority, first of all, within his own home. That was the first part of his job. But the second part also was this, to represent the family to the larger society. So he would be aware of what was going on in his own home. And then when he'd get together with the other elders, he would be able to represent uh, the problems, the difficulties, and how policies that were made would affect his own family. He had a stake in that. And so he would speak 
and act on behalf of the interest of those individuals who are part of his household. He was a connection between his household and society as a whole. So, uh, the clans also uh, worked in the same kind of way, and the tribes also looked to the senior males among them for leadership. We call this system of organizing a society by means of elders, eldership. That's what I mean when I use this term. Now, it's not a Bible word, but this is what uh, uh, Bible commentators use. They use this word eldership to describe this system whereby uh, these elders uh, organize and maintain the society. Eldership then was rooted in and was really an expansion of the basic family or household unit in Israel society. Elders were a constant feature uh, in the Old Testament from Moses on to all the way to Ezra. You find elders all the way throughout there. Uh, here's some of the things that elders did in the Old Testament. They sometimes did administrative tasks like organize things or um, fill out paperwork. I don't know what the, what the Old Testament equivalent to that was, write on clay tablets, whatever. <laughs> uh, they, would, uh, they would serve as kind of an advisory board to kings or other government officials. Uh, they served as uh, official witnesses. You know how we have witnesses when somebody gets married? Well, instead of having contracts, well, sometimes when you have contracts, you have to have people sign, and they would serve in this official capacity. They would be notarized type guys. They judged disputes. If you had a fight with your neighbor and you needed somebody to help you sort that out, you'd bring it before the elders. And they would lead into battle in time of war. So those are some of the kinds of things that they did in the Old Testament. Now, the first interesting, I want to talk a little bit uh, about the origin of the elders in the Bible before we draw this to a close. The first reference in the Bible to elders as community leaders in Israel is Exodus chapter 3, verse 16. Exodus three sixteen. Now, think about it now. You've had the creation of the world, the flood. Uh, Abraham gets called, you know, and the sons of Jacob and Joseph... Uh, they go down into Egypt, about 60 people. They stay there for 400 years, and they become a huge nation. Now, 400 years later, the Pharaoh at the time gets paranoid. He starts enslaving them and oppressing them terribly. And they cry out to God for relief. So God hears their prayer, and he sends a, a leader to help them, to deliver them. The, the leader's name was Moses, all right? So this is the point in time, this is the first time where this, these elders are mentioned in the Bible. And here's what uh, the Lord says to Moses, Go, gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me saying, I'm indeed concerned about you. And what has been done to you in Egypt. Now what's interesting about this verse with respect to elders. Is that uh, the elders apparently were already in place. They already existed in Hebrew society. When God called Moses to lead his people out of bondage from Egypt. We don't have any record in the Bible 
of God commanding Israel to choose elders among themselves. They were just there. When God begins to lead Israel out of bondage in Egypt. We have in the Bible records where God says, okay, you need to have priests. Here's how you get them. You need to have priest helpers. We call them Levites. You're going to have to have a king or other officials, judges sometimes. You, you find this chronicled in the Old Testament, but never is there anywhere where God commands that Israel develop this system of elders or eldership. Uh, they seem to be inherent in their culture and their society as they were in many other cultures and other societies. Something that sort of naturally developed or grew out of the family-oriented society. Now, despite the fact that this was not something that God mandated that we know of anywhere in Scripture, the Lord and other leaders in Israel uh, made use of this particular social mechanism in order to do his will. You see this here in this passage where Moses is called by God to gather these elders together, even though there weren't officers that God had appointed, and he uses that system in order to mobilize the people so they can get out of Egypt. It's highly unlikely that if they didn't have any kind of organizing principle here in this society, they would have been able to mobilize those people so quickly to get up and leave when it was time to go. And so uh, in these passages in the Bible, we see how God uses these, this social organization for his purpose and his will. Uh, Numbers chapter 11 has another verse uh, like this, where it well, il illustrates this. Um, now, uh, Moses, the people are out of Egypt, they're in the wilderness, and Moses is having difficulty managing all the people. They're all coming to him, bringing their problems to him, and there's a big long lines, you know. And they can't get to him. So he cries out to God. God says, okay, listen, here's what you do. And um, the Lord uh, therefore says to Moses, um, here in this verse, make sure I got it here, gather for, me the seven, gather for me 70 men from the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and their officers, and bring them to the tent of meeting. God puts his spirit on these 70 who are gathered or picked out of the elders who are already there and they help Moses out and help to relieve his burden. So this is another illustration. These elders are already there in society, but God chooses to use this social institution in order to do his purpose and his will uh, for his design will, for his divine will. <laughs> oh, okay. Isn't God great? Isn't he wonderful? He can use fumbling people like me to get his will done somehow. I don't know how. I marvel all the time. All right, so let me just summarize. Uh, elders are the senior men of, a, of the community. They're heads of leading families who has such exercise authority that is representative and collective. So I've, I've listed five characteristics of eldership in Israel. This isn't in the Old Testament now. And again, this is all background for where we're going next time. Eldership was built on the extended family or household. It was a family-oriented way of organizing society. That, the family was the basic unit, the building block of the whole society. And so it was very important to preserve that and protect it. Um, this is 
um, in contrast to an, where the indiv individual is the basis of, our soci of, of a society. They were family-oriented in that respect. Second, uh, uh, these, this eldership was based on the idea that wisdom gained from experience came with age. That's why they're called elders, because they're supposed to be older and wiser and smarter and uh, together making good decisions. Now, we'll see that uh, that doesn't always happen. It was patriarchal. It's sort of a big word, and I was trying to struggle to find a, a better one, but this is the word that they use. Uh, authority was vested in senior men, the heads of the household, the clan, or the tribe. Now, and this evidently was part of God's plan. Um, even in the New Testament, uh, we read in Ephesians chapter 5 that the husband is to be the head of the wife and the head of the family unit. And so uh, this was uh, God's purpose. It's not particularly, I don't think, because men are always smarter or wiser or more intelligent or sensitive or even make better decisions all the time. I don't see that. But I do see it as something that God has chosen and ordained for his reasons. And if he ordains it, then it's got to be right and it's got to be good. I may not understand the reason all the time, but I do believe that God is good and right. So we've got a family system not built on individuals, but a, a, a system to organize society not built on individuals, but on families. It's based on age. Uh, there's, there's some age discrimination going on here, I want to tell you. They're, they're saying older people, not younger people. <laughs> right? It's patriarchal. So already, uh, we've got pretty much three strikes against it. This is definitely not a political correct way to organize your society. You know? it, it's very different than what our society feels is right. It was representative. Now, we can relate to that. Uh, uh, in other words, the heads of the household uh, were there representing the members in the household. And instead of getting the whole society together and making decisions, they uh, sent the head of the household to speak on their behalf. And finally, uh, another big word, conciliar. Uh, basically, this just means that they made decisions by groups of leaders, not individuals like kings or governors. The group would get together in a council and make a decision for the well-being of society. So the main thought here I want to share with you is that eldership is a biblical family-based way of organizing a large group of people or a society. So this is all kind of background information. I hope you found it interesting. And I think you're going to find it edifying as we go along. Um, it's background we need to understand what the New Testament had to say about elders in the church. And how that applies to us today. And I want to uh, be sure that you understand I've not drawn any conclusions about how we should apply this information. I'm not saying that we should uh, burn our bylaws and all go by this kind of system here. I'm just trying to describe what the, the system was in the Old Testament as background for what we'll read in the New Testament. So next time we're going to look at elders in the New Testament. Now the good news is this. Uh, John 1.12 says this, But as many as received him, speaking of Christ, to those he gave the power to become children of God. 
When you come into Christ and come into the Come into faith in Him, you come into the family of God and are gathered together into God's family. Become one of His. And He begins to watch over you as His elder. And so, I'd just like to encourage you to come to know Christ and to put your trust in Him today. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, You are great and You are good and You are powerful. You can use the feeblest voice to speak your will. You can use a child to accomplish your purpose. In fact, you delight in doing these things. Father in heaven, I pray that uh, this look at what, you, what was going on in the Old Testament would be instructive to us and helpful for us as we uh, continue to look at your word on this subject and help our church to grow strong. Help us personally to grow strong. And I pray, Father, that if you're at work in anybody's heart and life today, that uh, that if they need to know you and if they need to get something right with you, I pray that they would uh, do that in these moments as we close the service today. In Jesus' name, amen.